Hello, I'm Dr. Jonathan Barker, pastor here at Amazing Grace Baptist Church in Mount Airy, North Carolina. I would like to personally thank you for taking out time today to tune in to our preaching podcast. We hope that this message will be a great encouragement to your heart today. Let's look at something here in Hebrews chapter number 12 for just a few minutes tonight. Let's stand in honor and ever for the reading of God's word. Hebrews chapter number 12, verse number 1 says this, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, uh, despising the shame, uh, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Father, we love you tonight. Thank you, Lord, for being good to us, and I pray, God, that you would help us tonight as we look into your word. Father, we'll give you the thanks. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. You can be seated tonight. Um, I'm going to tell everybody, I told Brother Rodney, Miss Stephanie, but uh, everybody remind me to have a business meeting at the end of the service tonight. We need to take care of something real quick um, with the bank so we can get some things moving on the lawn. But anyway, um, uh, when we come to this, wherefore seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Uh, a lot of commentators, and, and I think there's a, uh, an application that can be made here, uh, references back to chapter number 11. And chapter number 11, uh, being that great cloud of witnesses that has gone on before us. As we go back to chapter number 11, boy, we can begin uh, looking at the different ones. And a lot of people call chapter number 11 uh, the hall of faith or the heroes of faith uh, here in chapter number 11. Of course, we read about Moses and Jacob and uh, we read about Joseph and, and uh, there's a host of people that we read about and we can look at how God helped them to make it in the race of life uh, and help God, how God helped them to finish uh, what they had started. And if God helped them, uh, then God can help us today. God can help us today run the race uh, that he has before us. Let's look at a couple things about this. He says, let us lay aside, uh, let us lay aside. Lay aside means to cast off, to put away or to lay down. There are some things in our life, if we are going to run this race successfully, uh, that we are going to have to cast off, that we're going to have to put away or lay down. There are some things in our life that will need to be gone from our life uh, if we're going to run the race that God has put us in successfully. He goes on to say, let us uh, lay aside every weight uh, and the sin which does easily beset us. So first he talks about a weight. Whenever we read this, it, it is very interesting that he just don't say sin, uh, but he says every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. There's some things in this life uh, that is not a sin, uh, but they are a weight. And God is saying to us, we need to get those weights out of our life. Uh, we need to get those weights. One thing that I refer to a lot of times, I 
absolutely, uh, uh, besides uh, uh, preaching and spending time with my kids and my, uh, my family, the thing I'd rather do than anything uh, is the largemouth and smallmouth bass fish. I absolutely love it. And uh, for years I had bass boats and, and I love it. But you know what? If we're not careful, those things uh, can become a weight in our life. When we miss the house of God for them, uh, they're a weight in our life. Um, um, man, there's nothing in the world. There's nothing in the world uh, uh, wrong with playing around the golf as long as you don't get drunk and curse and it'll make you do both. But anyway, there's nothing. In, I'm just joking. Well, it does some people. But anyway, there's nothing in the world wrong with that. Matter of fact, Sunday mornings, I love to talk to Brother Jerry uh, about their golf games through the week. It's one thing we enjoy talking about. But you know what? When we begin to put those things uh, in front of God, you know what we need to do? We need to lay them to the side. We need to put them to the side. And there's things in our life uh, that will become, hear me and hear me well, if you allow it to let you miss the house of God, it's a weight and it's a sin and it's wrong. That's just cut and dry right down where the rubber meets the road. That's the way. Now, if it's your job, that's one thing. Brother Aaron's always at church, but every third Sunday he misses church because he's a paramedic and he's at work tonight. That's not a weight in his life. Uh, if he's going to support his wife and that little girl, he's got to go to work. You understand what I'm saying. He says the weight, uh, and then he says the sin uh, that does so easily beset us. The phrase easily beset means this, to skillfully surround or entangle. To skillfully surround or entangle. And can I say something to you tonight? The devil is a mastermind with taking sin or a weight and skillfully surrounding you and entangling you with that. Skillfully doing that. Um, um, so he says tonight that we are to lay that to the side. We are to cast that off. These are the sins that we tend to cling to and tend to allow them to have an influence. Uh, over our life. Listen to what the Bible said in 2 Timothy 2, 3, and 4. Thou therefore endure a hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself uh, with the affairs of this life uh, that he may please him uh, who hath chosen him to be uh, a soldier who hath chosen him to be a soldier. If we're going to live a victorious Christian life, uh, there is some weights and some sins uh, that we must get rid of. And that's what he's saying to us right here. Let us lay aside. Let us push them to the side. Let us cast them off, those things uh, that pull us down. I thought about Paul and Peter and James, all of these men uh, in their writings deal with this. Listen to Ephesians 4.25. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one of another. Listen to what he said in Colossians 3.8. But now ye also put off these 
anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. What's he saying? He's saying lay that aside. Put that to the side. Listen to what he said in 1 Peter 2.1. Wherefore laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speaking. What did he say? He said put it to the side. Listen to what he said in James 1.20. It's all right to give you some Bible tonight, isn't it? Listen to what he said in James 1.21. Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. So you know what he's saying? He's saying this to us tonight. As Christians, there is, and especially right after we first get saved, there is some things that must be laid to the side. He goes on here in our text uh, to talk about the race. The word race here is the Greek word agona. Agona. It helps to form our English word agony. It's where our English word agony uh, derives from. Now think about this. What Paul is saying to us tonight is that, uh, and I believe that Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. You may not, but that's all right. Here's what the writer, let me say it that way in case you don't. Here's what the writer is saying to us tonight. He's saying the race that we're in now that we're saved uh, is not a sprint. It's a marathon. He's saying it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. You ever seen somebody get saved? And boy, after they get saved for about the first two months, man. Matter of fact, Brother Heath and I was talking about this this morning. For about the first two months, man, they're in the house of God. They're at everything. And then all of a sudden, they began slipping away. It's not that I don't think they got saved. The problem is this. They didn't lay aside some hindrances in their life and now they're being pulled away. This is not a sprint, man. This is a marathon that God's put us in. Hey, God didn't save us just to start the race and run it a little bit, but God saved us to run the race and to complete the race until the day that we go to our grave and and, and, and we're going to have to lay some things to the side if we're going to do that. Um, we are to live our lives and, 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 and to run our race with patience. Uh, the word patience means steadfastness, endurance, preservance. Um, uh, it, it describes a person who is not swerved from his deliberate purpose and his loyalty to faith by the greatest of trials and suffering. We are to keep on keeping on is what he's saying. It will take patience because there will be times you want to quit. But what he's saying, he's saying this to us, not let's lay aside every way in the sin which does so easily set. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. If we're going to keep on keeping on, it's going to take patience. It's going to take patience. I thought about this. Run with patience when you are down and discouraged. 
Run with patience when others quit and give up. Run with patience when you feel you're accomplishing nothing. Run with patience when your health begins to fade like a withering leaf. Run with patience when loved ones are snatched from your side in death. Run with patience when others crack. One said this, when others crack, hack, pull back, attack, distract, and slack or give you a bunch of flack, just run with patience. You know what he's saying? He's saying this, man, just stay with it. Just stay with it. Can I say something to you tonight? Can I say something to you tonight? If you're going to finish and you're going to finish well, you're going to have to run with patience. You're going to have to run with patience. What did he say? He says the race that is set before us. The race that is set before us, that word set before us means to be appointed, destined, or placed before a person or a thing. The race that is set before us, there is a race, there is a marathon that is set before us. And it's up to us to finish and to finish well in this race. That's up to us. God has given us, it's like I said this morning, if you fail God, it's your own fault. If you mess up tonight and your home's busted into a million pieces, it's your own fault. You chose to do that. God's put the race in front of us and now God has given us everything that we need to equip us for this race. Let me show you four things and then we'll go home. He, I think again one reason that I think that it's Paul writing to us is because Paul, um, uh, Paul likens himself to an athlete on several different occasions. He likens himself to a boxer. He likens himself to a wrestler. Here he likens whoever the writer is, I think it's Paul, likens himself to a runner. And he's saying this, he's saying to finish the race, there's some things that's got to be put in place. I, I, I thought about this. Um, if you are, if you are going to, uh, uh, if you're going to run in a race, uh, there's some things that has to be in place. Um, uh, Brother Heath back there is probably not going to strike out in the morning and run a 10K. He's probably not going to strike out in the morning and walk a 10K. If it's downhill, he may roll a 10K, but he's probably... <laughs> He's probably not going to strike out and run a 10K. If he is going to do that, then he's going to have to, he's going to have to set a discipline plan to be able to do that. There's going to have to be a discipline plan to be able to do that. I enjoy one thing that Leslie and I enjoys doing and uh, we're going to over the next couple of days for our anniversary, but we enjoy hiking uh, and we enjoy biking. And um, uh, hopefully if the weather permits, we'll be able to do both of them over the next couple of days, but we enjoy that. But the first time that I ever got on a bicycle after not riding for years and years and years and years, I didn't ride 25 miles. I'm not going to ride 25 miles tomorrow. I just don't like it that good. Are you with me right there? The first time that I ran again uh, uh, after I had pneumonia back in January, uh, I didn't run three miles the first time I ran again. I had to set a pace and I had to put some discipline in my life 
Are you with me right there? Boy, I could say so much, but I'm not. Had to put some discipline in my life to be able to do that. If, if, you know what? If you're going to lose weight, it's going to take discipline. Now, you can fill your body full of pills and, and, and lose it that way, but if you're going to lose it a natural way, uh, it's going to take discipline. If you're going to get in shape, it's going to take discipline. If you're going to finish the race, you're in it. You're in it tonight if you're saved. If you're going to finish it, there's some things that's got to be in your life. Number one, if you're going to finish the race, you've got to eat right. Now, don't nobody die on me. I, I'm going home to fry whole hog bacon and scramble eggs here in a minute, all right? And I'll run it off in the morning, Brother Mark. But now stay with you. You don't have to eat right if you're going to finish the race. You don't have to eat right. Uh, what you do with the Word of God determines what God does with you. Can I say that to you again? What you do, and I'm really trying to teach to you instead of just right back and preaching tonight, but I really just want to preach on this. What you do with the Word of God will determine what God does with you. You got to have this book tonight, man. I can't beat that into your head enough. You got to have a steady diet of the Word of God. You've got to. I've started something over the past few weeks that is a little bit different for me, and I'll share this. I shared it with my Sunday school class the other morning. I've started just listening or reading a couple of chapters early in the morning, just one or two chapters, and then before I read that, I pray and say, God, will you give me one verse out of these couple of chapters for me to chew on today? Y'all understand that? For me to meditate on today. And boy, I'm telling you, man, God's been speaking to my heart in doing that. It's not necessarily that you have to read 47 and a half chapters a day, but you do have to have a steady diet of the Word of God if you really want God to use you in this race. What did the Bible say in 1 Peter 2, 2? As newborn babes desiring the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. We are to desire. That word means to long for or to crave it. The word sincere means without fraud, deceit, or genuine. What's he saying? He's saying this, that we're to long for uh, 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 the word of God that is without fraud or deceit. It is genuine tonight. We should have a longing for the Word of God tonight. I thought about this. God's Word is without fraud and deceit. It is the genuine Word of God. Psalm said this, The Word of the Lord, our pure words, is silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Acts 17 said this, These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they, in that they received the Word with all readiness of mind and searched the Scriptures daily whether those things were so. Receive means to embrace or welcome. Readiness means zealous, eagerness, uh, or willingness. You know what he's saying? Uh, he's saying they welcomed uh, the Word of God with an eager heart. In other words, when they woke up, they had a longing for the Word of God. 
I thought about this. What does Paul mean by search? The word search means to examine, to investigate, inquire into, scrutinize, sift, question specifically in a forensic sense of judgment to hold an investigation or to interrogate, examine the accused of witness. Can I say this to you tonight? Whenever I look into this, whenever I sift through it, whenever I begin to search it, there's only one thing that I can say about it. Every word of it is right. Every word of it is true. It's what helps me when I'm down. It's what keeps me going when I want to quit. It's what convicts me when I do wrong. When I'm in the storm, it's what comforts me. You've got to eat right if you're going to finish this race. You've got to eat right. What did Job say? Job said this in chapter 23, neither have I gone back from the commandments of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. The word esteem also means to treasure. We're to treasure the word of God. What did Jeremiah say? He said, thy words were found and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart for I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. Psalms 119, 103 says this, How sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. He said, Preacher, I want to finish this thing. You got to eat right. You got to eat right tonight. Hey, if you're going to finish the race, if you're going to stay, you got to eat right. Number two, not only you got to eat right, you got to exercise. You got to exercise. Everybody stand up. I'm going to do 10 jumping jacks tonight. No, just stay with me. <laughs> you got to exercise. You say, why are we not going to? Because um, we don't have a medical standby tonight, all right? You got to exercise. Think about this tonight. Runners have to exercise and train to get and stay in the shape that they are in to be able to run well. They've got to do that continuously. We must exercise too and put into practice truths that we have learned while we was eating the word of God. We've got to put that into practice. Acts 24 says this, and herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. What did he say herein? Do I exercise myself? To have always a conscience. That word exercise means to strive, labor, take pains. We are to put God's truth into practice and be the right example in front of others. You know what? Uh, probably 95% of the people that you run across tomorrow will not have read the word of God, but they can read it through you. Our lives is the only Bible a lot of people ever read. You know what? God help us. If and, and this goes from the youngest person to the oldest person in here. God help us if we'd go to church and then get out of church and go live a completely different lifestyle in this world and cuss like a sailor and do the things of this world. You know what? You're going to have a lot of people that walks up to you in heaven one day and their blood's going to be required on your hands at the great judgment one day. We're to exercise. We're to live right. Amen. We're to live right. 
What did the Bible say in 1 Timothy? It's all right to give you some Bible tonight, isn't it? What did the Bible say in 1 Timothy 4, 7? But refuse profane and old wise fables and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. The word for exercise is different here. It means to exercise uh, vigorously and, 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 and just as a gymnastic uh, would exercise. You know what he's saying? He's saying to us tonight that we are to exercise ourselves unto godliness, unto godliness tonight. I thought about this. Uh, we ought to exercise self-control in our bodies. 1 Corinthians 9 Amen. What did he say? But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. Listen, by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Paul said that I'm worried about being a castaway. The word castaway is from the Greek word uh, adokimus. It means not approved, not standing the test, rejected as false, unfit for good deeds, cast aside, watch this, or disqualified, or disqualified. You said, preacher, what are you saying? Here's what I'm saying to you. He said, but I keep under my body. You know what that means? He buffets his body. He puts his body in subjection to the Holy Spirit so that he is not disqualified. And you're going to have to exercise some things in your life. There's some times when you really want to open your mouth that you need to keep it closed. There's some times... When you wonder in your mind, should I do this or should I not do this? I'll never forget. Years ago, I was on the board of directors for Prayer Missions International. And uh, Dr. Ray Stewart was the president at the time. We was in a board meeting. We was questioning a missionary. That missionary went out or he was wanting to come as a missionary. He went out and there was two or three um, that had questions about it and didn't feel about it. Brother Jimmy Millsap spoke up and said something about it. And Dr. Stewart spoke up and here's what he said. He said, boys, I'll never forget it. He leaned up on that table that day. He said, boys, when you're not settled on it, stay away from it. That's what he said. You know what he's saying? He said, you better exercise some things in your life. And you hear me and hear me well tonight. Whenever there's a doubt in your mind, uh, when something's going on at church and you decide to be not at church and in the backside of your mind you're wondering, hey, you know what you better do? You better exercise some self-control and get to the church house. Get to the exercise. You're going to have to exercise. Uh, Exercise to control your temper. Exercise to control your tongue. You know, a lot of people says this, well, it's just my nature. I, I, just, I just talk before I think it's just my, That may be your nature, but you need to yield yourself unto the Holy Spirit of God. Somebody give me a witness right there. We need to yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit of God. Ask God, God help me keep my mouth shut. One thing, a lot of people don't know this. Very few people know this. Brother Heath knows this. He gets nervous when he comes in my office and sits down and there's a bag of mints sitting in my office on the desk. He gets very worried. Here's the reason he does. That's what I do when I go into a meeting. I put mints on my table. And any time, if you ever see me start eating mints, it's because I'm trying to keep my 
Shut. That's what I do, okay? So next time you're in a meeting with me and I start eating mints, if I ever bring a bag of mints to the pulpit, y'all are in trouble. <laughs> I do that, Brother Mark, and the reason that I do that is I'm trying to exercise self-control. I know that there, somebody give me a witness. I know that there's times that I speak and I shouldn't speak. You say, well, it's just my nature. I understand that. But now that we're saved, we are to yield, we are to exercise. So if we're going to finish this thing right, we're going to finish this thing right. I thought about this. I thought about this. Well, we're going to have to eat right. We're going to have to exercise. Can I, I give you another one tonight? Number three tonight, if we're going to finish this thing right, our ears, our ears must be in tune to the coach. Our ears must be in tune to the coach. I remember Brother Matt playing basketball in high school and everybody else could be screaming in that gym, but if Richard Lawson spoke, I could hear it. I could hear him over everybody else. Let me tell you the reason why. He was the coach. I think personally that you hear them so much that your ear just gets strained to that. I I thought about this. Uh, I picked on Caleb one time tonight. I'm going to pick on him a little bit more. This ain't picking on him. It's just stating facts. But um, a lot of people don't know this, but Caleb's got his pro card racing dirt bikes. And uh, I went over there and watched him the other day, and he, he rode up beside of me and, and pushed that motorcycle towards me, and he said, go ahead, take a lap. And I looked at Olivia, and I said, what do you think? She said, Dad, you don't have the balance. <laughs> oh, what do you mean I don't have the balance? I don't fall everywhere I go. But if I was going to do that, if I was going to do that, I thought they're building a, a, a beautiful barn dominium right now, and it's for a guy, that's what he does. He was a professional um, a motocross racer, and he trains people now. And, uh, man, it's a beautiful place. Mark done the plumbing. It's beautiful. But anyway, I thought about this. If I was going to start riding in my latter years of life, but I'm not, if I was, I would need to go to somebody like Caleb or somebody like the gentleman over there, that, that's what they know, that's what they do. And for me to become successful at that, you know what I'm going to have to do? I'm going to have to listen to what my coach tells me to do. I'm going to listen to what my coach tells me to do. I, I, uh, if I was going to play golf, I'm probably not going to. I go about twice a year and, and um, have a good old time because whenever I go, I just determine I'm not even going to keep score. I'm just going to have fun. I, that's one thing that will make you so mad at the drop of a hat. But if I was going to be good at it, I would need somebody like Brother Jerry. I tried to get Daddy to teach me, and he just don't have the patience. I know it's hard for y'all to believe that my daddy don't have patience, but... I'd need somebody like Brother Jerry to help me. But the only way Brother Josh, Brother Jerry could help me is if I listened to my coach. Now I'm going to tell you something tonight. If you're going to finish this race, y'all don't pay no attention to him. If you're going to finish this race, your ear is going to have to be in tune to the coach. Your ear is going to have to be in tune with the coach, the coach teaches, the coach challenges, the coach pushes, the coach encourages, 
the coach inspires. Unwillingness to listen to his instruction will hurt your development as a racer. Are you hearing me tonight? Unwillingness to listen to his instruction. A lot of times we think we know more than the coach. Are you with me? A lot of times we think we know more than the coach. Now I'm going to say something tonight, and I, and I want you to stay with me. Let, me. let me read you a couple verses. The Bible said this in, in Proverbs 8. Blessed is the man that heareth me watching daily at my gates, waiting at the post of my doors. He said this in Ecclesiastes 5. Keep thy foot when thou goest to thy house of God and be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools for they consider not that they do evil. Psalms 85 says this, I will hear what God the Lord will speak for he will speak peace unto his people and to his saints but let them not turn again to folly. You know what he's saying? He's saying your ear needs to be in tune to the coach. Let me take it a step further. Sometimes God puts some people in your life to help coach you in this race. God puts some people in your life to help coach you in this race. Thank God for my pastor. He was my daddy. Well, let me back up and rephrase that. He is my daddy. (laughs) Sounded like he's gone, didn't it? He is my daddy, but thank God for my pastor. You know what? My pastor's saved me a world of hurt before. My pastor's probably the reason I'm still at this church today because there's been a few times that I've been pretty upset about some things and I told my pastor that I was just going to go in, there's going to be hide on the wall, blood in the floor, or, or hide on the wall, guts in the floor, and blood in the cracks, man. I was busting hide down at the church. And daddy would say this, or my pastor would say this, you know what, there's one or two said, and you're going to allow those one or two to determine what you preach to the other 150. You better be real careful, son. You already done? God put a coach in my life. Let me tell you something tonight. Where would you be without the man of God? It was the man of God that preached the word of God to you. It's the man of God that prays for you and your family. I don't mean this ugly, but sometimes the man of God fasts and prays for you and your family more than you even do yourself. Are you hearing me tonight? Where would we be without the man of God? And there's some type, here's something that blows my mind. Teachers can, or not teachers, but parents can allow ball coaches to talk to their kids like a dog. But God forbid the man of God say something. A coach that could care less about your kid. I'm just being honest with you could care less about your kid. Hadn't prayed a day for them. Hadn't fasted a day for them. All they're doing is trying to get that kid to make them look good. They could care less about your young and the biggest part of them. There is some that's different, but the biggest part of them. But you let the man of God get up and preach something and son, mamas and daddies will have, how dare you? Sometimes God puts a coach in your life to help you like the man of God, to help you. Sometimes that coach just wants to push you along a little bit. Sometimes that coach will will put you in the game to see how you react in the game. Are you with me? 
See how they may talk a big talk, but when they get in the game, you ever met anybody like that? When they get in the game, man, they drop the ball. Why? Because they've not exercised right. Why? Because they've not eat right. Why? Because their ear has not been attended to what the coach had to say. Is anybody hearing the preacher tonight? And what happens, they end up dropping the ball. So when the coach puts you in the game and gives you a little bit of responsibility, you know what he's doing a lot of times? He's seeing how you will react in the game. Have an ear for the coach. Have an ear for the coach. I'm done. Come start playing softly. You got to eat right. You got to exercise. You got to have an ear in tune with the coach. Can I say this in closing? You got to expect to finish and not just finish to win. You got to expect to finish and to win. Brother Joshua, when he was racing go-karts, I never entered a race to lose. Brother Caleb, did you enter the race last night to lose? You entered to win, didn't you? That's the reason you went. You went to win. And he did win all four of them that he raced last night. He entered to win. Can I tell you something tonight? I just didn't enter this race to finish. I entered it to win. I entered it to win. I want to give it everything that I've got. I want to eat right. I, I want to exercise right. Anyway, I want to exercise right. I hope y'all are getting what I'm preaching to you tonight. I want to have my ear attentive to the coach when he says something. And you know what? I'm expecting to win this race. I'm expecting to hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant. But the only way I'll ever hear that is if I've done well. There's five crowns that can be won in heaven. You know what? I'm expecting to win at least one of them. You tell you the reason why? So I can throw it back at his feet. So I can cast it back at the feet of Jesus. Chapter number 19, when he comes back, the Bible said he had many crowns. Many crowns. Plural, many crowns on his head. Where did all those crowns come from? I preached that years ago here. Where did he get all them crowns at? Let me tell you where he got them at. He got them from us, casting them back at his feet and laying them back at his feet. But the only way I'm ever going to win a crown is if I eat right, if I exercise right, and if I have an ear that's attentive to the coach tonight. If I've got an ear that's attentive to the coach, what did Paul say? He said this, I press towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of God. Paul indicates his intensity to reach his goal for Christ. The word press is the Greek word diago, which means to intently, earnestly seek or pursue. To, in, to intently, earnestly seek or per, pursue. It is in the present tense, tense, which indicates, listen to this, you know this if you know grammar, a continuous effort. You know what Paul was saying? He's saying this, every day I wake up, I'm pressing towards the mark. Every day that I live, I'm pressing towards the mark. Every day I'm earnestly seeking or pursuing being pleasing to Christ. Acts 20, 24. But none of these things move me, neither I count my, neither count my eye, my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I had received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. 2 Timothy 4, 7 and 8. 
I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day and not to me only but unto all them also that love his appearing. Romans eight thirty seven. Nay, in all things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. We do not have to be a has-been tonight. Can I ask you this? It's two minutes after seven. Can I ask you this? Will you be here? Will you be here for the dedication service of that new building? You may be here for the groundbreaker, not will you be here at the dedication service of it? Will you be here at the dedication service of it? Can I ask you a question? We'll go out on a limb here. If God gives us that grant, and everything goes right in this building, and we're able to build it for what we think we're going to be able to build it for, there's a good chance that God may just let us turn right around and right behind that building, build a new fellowship hall to match that building. If God done that, can I ask you a question? Will you be here for the dedication service of that building? Said so preacher, there comes a time when no, there isn't a time that we stop where there is no vision of people perish. Well, there is no vision of people. Will you be here for that? One year from now, where will you be at? Last year, there's a lot of people said one year from now I'll be sitting on a church pew that's out of church today. I'm not just talking about here, I'm talking about across the globe. If you're going to finish this thing and you're going to finish right, you have to eat right. You have to eat right. You're not only going to have to eat right, you're going to have to exercise. You have to exercise. Somebody's going to hurt your feelings for long here at the church. You hear me? Somebody's going to hurt your feelings. I'm going to preach something you don't like. I got my feelings hurt last Sunday. Matter of fact, I got mad. I told my wife about it, and I said, you know what I think I'm going to do? And then I thought, you know what you need to do? You need to study to be quiet. You know what I've done? I just fixed me something to eat. I eat it, and I went to bed and woke up Monday morning to a fresh day and forgot about it. Well, this and didn't do this, and this and didn't do that, and that one said this, and that one said, I don't come to church for you to do this or to do that or to say this or to say that. I come to church because God commands me to do it. It's the reason I come to church. Somebody's going to hurt your feelings. I'm going to preach something that you don't like. Somebody's going to say something. But you need to determine tonight that you're going to exercise. You're going to exercise discipline and stay in the house of God. You need to expect to win. Not just to finish, you need to expect to win. I don't enter anything to lose. I was fishing tournaments. I didn't enter one tournament with the intention of losing. I played in just two or three golf tournaments down through the years, some bunny hop tournaments. And you know what? I didn't enter them expecting to lose. I made sure I stacked my team. Because I knew old John wasn't bringing nothing to the plate. He might can dress and look like a golfer, but he wasn't bringing nothing to the plate. So you know what I done, brother Jerry? I made sure I got some people that knew how to play golf on my team. You know, tell you the reason why I wanted to win. Somebody say, man, I wanted to win. 
I want to do nothing to lose. I want to do nothing. I want to win this thing. I want to win it. Father, I